Our scripture reading this evening is from 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, and we'll read the whole chapter. Hear God's word. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that there is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid, that this of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a, a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now, when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therein sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, and that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, and he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how to seeketh a quarrel with me. And it was so that Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, and he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come Now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again unto thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. And he went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come unto me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Parfar rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? Clean? So he turned and went his way in rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not done it? How much more then 
when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean. Then he went down, and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. And he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules, burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing, the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth to the house of Raymond to worship there, and he learneth, leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Raymond. When I bow myself to the house of Raymond, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed and from him a little way. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman, this Syrian, and not receiving at his hand that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lied down of the chariots to meet him. And he said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from the mount of Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, Be content. Take two talents. And he urged him and and bound two talents of silver in two bags and with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they bare them before him. And when he had come to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them to the house. And he let the men go and they departed. And he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went whither? No whither. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee? When the man turned again from his chariots to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money or and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and manservants and maidservants? 
The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence, a leper, as white as snow. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Let us... Dear congregation, this morning we heard about how Jesus came to his own hometown, his own hometown of Nazareth, and he declared the word of God to them. And in his preaching, in his teaching, he referenced two Old Testament examples as a rebuke to to his own people. It's the people that rejected him. And one of them was Elisha. Elisha, of what we just read about in 2 Kings chapter 5. He ministered during a time where Israel was divided and the country, the state, was in, in a perilous times, in a state of apostasy. They were slowly declining into greater and deeper sins. And God sent Elisha to call the people back to himself. He was a prophet of God to minister the word of God. But the people rejected over and over and over again. We read about also how God saved a Syrian, a Syrian, that great enemy of the people of God, the great enemy of Israel, an evil country even that did heinous things, a country that didn't worship or know Yahweh. And God is going to magnify his grace in saving a Syrian general. Something so unlikely, something the people of Israel at that time couldn't imagine. And some thousand years later, would come back to, their, to them as a rebuke. I want us to uh, hone in and focus on why Jesus used this Old Testament example. And hopefully we can learn from it, profit from it, be instructed by it in our own walk with the Lord. This God that we worship is going to magnify his grace by cleansing a leper. And we're going to look at this in three headings. Making known his way, overcoming obstacles, and fulfilling his word. God cleansing a leper. Making known his way. Now, think about this. This man, Naaman, was a great man from a great country. He was the captain of Syria, of the armies of Syria. He was a very successful, a military leader. He was well known for his heroic efforts. He was a man of battle, of valor, strong, a warrior. And not only that, 
He was used by God, verse 1 says, to do so. He was a man who had reached the top, a captain. It says in the singular, the captain of the armies of Syria. Everybody else was under him. Everybody else was under him. He would tell people to go, and they would go. He would tell people to come, and they would come. And they obeyed him. He had reached the top. What a position that, that is to be, to have everything. Position, esteem, power, praise, success. In addition to all of this, he was also popular amongst the people of, of his peers and also with the king himself. He enjoyed all of this. And he didn't climb over the backs of people in order to reach his success, but he was admired. He was admired by the common person and also by the king. And maybe you desire something similar, you know, to be rich, to be powerful, to be respected amongst your peers and those who are above you. Maybe you don't want to necessarily be a military general, but maybe there's another ladder that you want to climb up and you're working and striving towards. And you say to yourself, if only I had reached this, or if only I have this, if only I had this position at work, this raise, this relationship, if only, if only, if only. Is that really the case? Here you have a man who had it all, who literally had it all, success, power, influence, wealth, even the hand of God to strengthen his conquest. He enjoyed all these things. But did he give glory to God? Did he praise God? You know, the text says that uh, he didn't know God. He came to know God later, but he didn't give success or praise to God. He worshipped another God, Raymond. And here's Naaman at the top of human success, alone and without God. And moreover, the text says that he was a man of valor, a leper. You notice verse 1, it's, it's italicized, but he was. But he was is not in the original text. That's for us to help us understand. The original text plainly states he was also a mighty man in valor, a leper. The contrast of it is so stark, so real. He was a leper. Now, leprosy, what is leprosy? Leprosy is a skin disease that makes your skin bleach white and it spreads throughout your body. It's something that starts out so small, a little spot, a little speckle, a little freckle even, but starts to grow, grow, and grow, killing everything within its reach and both in depth and in breath. It's something that will rot away and kill anybody who has it, a leper. 
And this man knows with time he'll become an invalid. He, he knows that it, it's not going to take much more before he won't be able to fight and go on these military conquests. He knows that in time this will take his life. His greatness will be reduced to nothing. He will be disfigured, destroyed, left to himself. Do you still want to be this man? Do you still want to trade places with him? He had all the wealth, all the popularity, all the power, all the status. And what is the Lord showing us by examining this passage? That you could reach the top and still be a leper. And you may ask, what do you mean? What do you mean you can still reach the top and be a leper? So often in the scripture, leprosy is a picture of sin. That's, that's what this is painting throughout the Old Testament, specifically in Leviticus. It speaks about how leprosy is a picture of sin, something that starts out so small and starts to grow, grow, killing everything in its length and breadth until it finally destroys you. Leprosy. You could have it all and still be a leper. And let me ask you, does this describe your life? You, you could have, if all the accolades of this life has to offer, be the greatest businessman, strive to be the greatest, come from the wealthy family, and still, at the end of the life, at the end of your life, if God still sees you or me as a leper, what good would that be? When I think about or look at, there's younger people here um, towards high school and college. What do you want to be when you grow up? What are you striving towards? To be successful? To become something? What do you want to become? Because we could become the best at, at our jobs. But if we're still a leper, what good would that be to us? What good would it be to you if at the end of the days, God says, and he was a leper? But what mercy we have here when we consider Naaman finds out that he has leprosy because he realizes that he has leprosy, he seeks out help. And that's a mercy, to be shown your own sin and be moved to want to do something about it, to seek help. And he seeks help going to the God of Israel. Have you or I seen our own leprosy? Have we been cleansed? Perhaps even more shocking is how he was led towards this cleansing. And it's by the hand of a little girl, a little slave girl. It was through the confession of this little one that led to the cleansing and salvation of this great captain. And this can be easily overlooked 
if we're not careful. This little girl actually is the hero of the story when you think about it because this little girl is the one who, in a sense, brought the word, preached the gospel, how to be saved, and Naaman was saved. This little girl, she was a slave girl, kidnapped at such a young age. No experience, no power, no identity. She was the lowest of the social class that you can be in. A slave, a girl, little, young. But contrasted with the most powerful military commander and chief at that time, her life would have been viewed as insignificant, something so small, but not before God. God didn't view it that way. Having known of Naaman's dreadful disease, she offers advice that could help him. Would my Lord go to the prophet of Samaria? He would cure him of his leprosy. Verse 3. These, these few words set off a course of events that would eventually lead to the salvation of Naaman. This little one believed God's grace and was ready to share it with her slave master. She spoke of God's grace to heal the sick and gave opportunity. This timely testimony resulted in the salvation of Naaman. And this is how so often God works. God uses unlikely means, little things, to advance his kingdom. This is what 1 Corinthians 1, 26, 27, 28 says, Has God not chosen the foolish things of this world to, to confound the wise? And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, the base things of the world, things that are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things that are not to bring not the things that are. God often chooses people, things, ideas that are considered weak, foolish by society standards to accomplish his plans. A little girl without a name. And in doing so, God demonstrates his power and wisdom to confound those who think that you have to have the power and wisdom of this world in order to advance his kingdom. God magnifies his grace in doing so, his power in doing so. God uses little ones. This little girl believed in God's grace, and she was ready to share it with even her slave master. She spoke of God's grace to heal the sick and gave opportunity. And she had the, when she had the opportunity, she gave her testimony and a witness. And this is for us as well. You think about how often we have the opportunity to share the gospel or to speak of God's grace. How just a few words can transform a life. How were you brought to the Lord? Was it through just a few words? Something you heard one time? Something that sparked your interest? Something that changed? God uses the testimony and the gospel to bring about healing and change. We see God 
drawing this powerful military leader and bringing him low. Low. He uses a little girl to draw name into himself. Yet there's obstacles along the way. And this brings us to our second point. Overcoming obstacles. Now Naaman, <clears throat> here's the testimony of this little girl and he starts his journey. He starts his journey to the king of Israel. The king, possibly, maybe, the king can help me. The king of Israel. And Naaman goes and he starts his journey into a distant land. And at this time, they didn't have airports. They didn't have cars. He went on his chariot day after day, riding on a horse. And what, what, what must have he been thinking at that time as he's riding, riding, riding? One day passes, two day passes, three day passes. I hope this king can help me. I hope Israel, the God of Israel, what? I'm, I don't know. Maybe, hopefully. Night falls. Sun rises, night falls, sun rises, traveling, going, hoping, maybe. And he travels. And what must have been like to see this giant procession, chariots, and all the glory of, of Syria going before him um, as he enters into Israel? You remember, is, Syria was an enemy of Israel. And Syria had often been at war with Israel. But he sends before Naaman a messenger to the king of Israel. And he says to the king of Israel, perhaps you can help my servant Naaman with this letter. And what happens? The king of Israel he, th- he, t- he takes it as a threat. He takes it as maybe he's starting to start a war with me. Maybe it, Syria wants to conquer Israel. And he knows that I can't heal a man from leprosy. Who can heal a man from leprosy? Nobody. He wants to start a war. He wants to start a quarrel with me. And he throws his hands up and says, I can't do this. You know, the king of Israel, he knows something, that he can't heal leprosy. But, O oh, king of Israel, do you not remember that there is a God in Israel? There is a God in Israel that can save, that can heal, that can cleanse from leprosy, that does wondrous things. In the past, he caused water to sprush spring forth out of a rock. He healed those bitten by snakes in the wilderness with just one look of a bronze serpent in the air. He raises the dead in the ministry of Elijah. He causes the dead to rise and he causes things to exist that don't exist with the word of his power. O king of Israel, Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? You who are so privileged to hear 
and to know this God, to see the wonders that God has done. And what about you? And what about me? When we're confronted with the reality, with the problems, with the trials of this life, what is your first response? Is it like this king who throws his hands up and says, oh, I don't know what to do. Do you forget the God of Israel? The God who raises the dead? The God who calls things to exist as they were when they don't? The God who does miracles? Do you trust him? Do you trust him in in the trials of life? This king was incredibly privileged. He was in the church. He had the means of grace available to him. God had covenanted with Israel, and he was the king over Israel. He knew the living and true God. Or did he? This speaks to us as well. How many of us are like this king of Israel? We're in the church. We have the means of grace. We hear the word of God day in and day out, week after week after week. Yet, this king had a, not a genuine experiential relationship with God. He only knew him from afar. He only knew him from what others have said, but he didn't know him as his own God. He had a historical faith but not a salvific faith. Is that the case with you? Do you have a historical faith where you hear, know so much about Scripture, yet don't know Him as your God personally? Or those of us who know Him, when trials come, when troubles come, what is your first response? Is it to trust Him and see that God will save, God will help us. Are we trusting the Lord? Why did Naaman, why did did Naaman go to the king for help? Part of the reason was that he didn't listen carefully. You know, the little girl, the unnamed little girl, didn't say, Oh, that my Lord would go to the king of Israel. There he would see his help. No, that's not what the little girl said. The little girl said that my Lord would go to the prophet in Israel. And there he would see help. See help in the prophet of Samaria. And this teaches us how important it is to listen carefully to the word of God to hear his commandments and obey it carefully. God's word came to him, but he only half listened. He only half did, you know? And what about us? We we hear the word, but do we really hear the word? Or do we half listen? We, We need to follow the Lord and listen carefully. This illustrates for us the importance of listening to the word with care. With care. And moreover, we have here uh, Elisha. Elisha 
gets word that this Syrian commander is in Israel and the king is threatened and who knows how Elisha would have heard about this maybe a prophet or somebody was a, a messenger to Elisha and told them the king of Syria and his general want help from Israel he tore, the king of Israel tore his clothes what, what can we do and Elisha sends a message to the king and to Naaman and asks and tells him, come, let him see me. And he goes. He hears of this prophet and he continues his journey again. Again, he's traveling, going forth. And he's hoping, desiring, perhaps I can be healed. Perhaps I can help. He can help me. I don't have any other option. Elisha hears and he calls forth and he calls him to himself. And something surprising happens again because Elisha doesn't greet him at the door, this great military general. He doesn't greet him with respect and honor, the respect and honor that he was expecting. No, Elisha doesn't even greet him face to face, but he sends a messenger before him. And he tells him, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be cleansed. He delivers this message and he goes back. Now, our point here is overcoming obstacles. And I want us to look at a a proud man's stubbornness. Naaman receives this message, this message of what he must do, the message that involves a commandment and a promise, the command to go and wash, and the promise, you'll be clean. This message is so clear, it's so simple. There's nothing mysterious, nothing complicated about it. Go wash and be clean. And it's fitting that the Naaman would receive the word of God Um, And it wasn't that Elisha had the power, but it was the word of God that had the power. It's fitting that the word of God would come to him and something so simple, to wash and be cleansed. And the question arises, would Naaman listen? Would Naaman listen? If it depended upon himself, he wouldn't have listened. After making this long journey, day after day, in a distant country, he goes, he would have gone back to Israel uncleaned, a leper. He would have gone back to his house, infuriated, enraged. And he would of not been cleansed. And you think about what's happening in Naaman's mind. You know, who is this prophet from this little town, in this little shack, in this little nowhere place, not going to treat me, the king's commander-in-chief, with the dignity and respect that I deserve? Who does he think he is? 
I'm the most powerful man, one of them. I, I've conquered, I've seen, I led armies. I tell people where to go and how to do things. And this man won't even greet me. Furthermore, he doesn't like the message. He doesn't like the message, go and wash in the Jordan. What is the river of Jordan in comparison to the rivers of Damascus? He probably saw these river of Jordans as he's making his military conquests throughout the land. And he would have seen these waters, compared them to his own country and said, there's no comparison. My waters, my rivers are much better. Why do I have to take my royal garments and wash in a dirty river that was undignified in his eyes? And he says, let us go. Naaman, left to himself, would have remained a leper for the rest of his life. Naaman, left to himself, would have slowly decayed, and he would have saw his body deteriorate and finally die. But why? Why? Why why would this have happened? It was because of pride. It was pride that prevented him from finding the healing that he so desperately needed and wanted. This treatment would have had to humble him. Verse 1 talks about how great of a man he was, how great of valor and respect. When it comes to Israel, who is this prophet that tells me to wash in this little river? And when he came to Elisha, he came with chariots and horses, showing off his greatness. It would have been like watching or seeing a Bentley or a limousine uh, travel through. Everybody would have noticed there's somebody important here. There's somebody with wealth, power, means. And it would have gotten the intention of everybody. And also the wealth that he provided, the gold and silver, but Elisha wouldn't have had none of it. He wasn't going to play that game with Naaman. He wasn't going to receive this or stroke Naaman's pride. Naaman's pride was stroked probably throughout his life. And now Elisha is in the presence of this man, but he's not going to play the game. In the eyes of the Syrians, Naaman was a great and honorable man, but who happened to have leprosy. But in the eyes of Elisha, he was a leper who happened to be a general. This pride prevented him from the deep cleansing that he needed from God, ultimately. His pride objected to the treatment. His pride objected to the simplicity of the message. His pride. Yet, it was the word of God that exposed him that he was proud. Because up until this point, we don't read of a man that was proud. We read a man that was, that was well-to-do, that had means. But we don't read of a man that was proud. It's only when the word of God comes and exposes him for who he is. And that's so often the case with us. It's so often the case when 
God's word comes to us and it exposes our hearts for who we really are. It exposes our hearts of our pride. Something that's so simple to wash and be cleansed of your leprosy. Repent and believe of your leprosy and receive salvation. Something so simple. So often, we want something extraordinary, something big to happen in order to actually receive salvation. God to work in an extraordinary way in order for us to receive the salvation that he promises. Yet the the word comes to us and it says, wash and be cleansed. Wash and be cleansed. Repent and believe. Pride makes name and turn away from the word that would heal him. Again, we see the story of God works salvation through unlikely means. And it's through, again, a way that we wouldn't have expected. Servants, the servants of Naaman, are the ones that bring him back to his senses, back to the path. The servants tell him, not in a condescending way, but in a way that is looking out for Naaman. My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do something great, wouldst thou now have done it? How much rather than he says to thee, wash and be cleansed. If the prophet asked Naaman to climb the highest mountain or to pay something enormous amount of money, he would have done it. He was ready to do it. But now that the prophet asks you to do something so simple, the logic is very compelling. But will Naaman listen? He's angry now. And you know it's hard to reason with an angry man. Perhaps you've been angry. It's hard to reason with you or with me when we're angry. It's hard to reason with somebody that's infuriated and enraged. Will Naaman listen? Surprisingly, he does. Even in his anger. He listens. He turns around and he goes back to the Jordan. And this brings us to our third point. God's grace cleansing a leper by fulfilling his word. An angry man hears the word of God. An angry man rejects it. An an angry man now is looking. An angry man is confronted and he's turned back. And you see throughout this story, time and time again, the twists and the turns. A little girl is used by God to share the gospel in a sense, how to be cleansed. The servants of Naaman are used by God to turn him back to himself. And so often, this is the case. God uses these ordinary, small, little means to bring us back to himself. God fulfilling his word. This man who had known as a great military leader listens to this simple message. This man who was so high, whom everybody looked up to, comes down into the waters 
And he gets off his high chariots and his high horses and he goes down to the waters and he goes under. He goes under. He goes back up and he goes under. He goes back up and he goes under. Again and again and again. And you can imagine what the servants of Naaman would have thought. You know, He's going in the waters. It's the fourth time now. And he's still leper, still there. It's the fifth time. It's the sixth time now. And he's as leprous as ever. The white blotch on his chest is so brazen. His skin is still deformed. Six times. And there's been no healing, no cleansing. He probably is not going to be healed. He probably had, why are we even doing this? But does Naaman believe God? Does Naaman believe God? Is he wasting his time? He's looking like a fool now. This great man humbling himself, looking like a fool. Does he believe God's word as he's spoken to him through the prophet Elijah? It's the sixth time, and his hands are still crinkled, white. It's the sixth time, and his chest is as leprous as ever. It's the sixth time, and he goes down once more, hoping. And he comes back up, and he looks at his hands, and they're no longer leprous. He looks at his chest, and that white blotch that was covering his chest is no longer there. His feet and his toes are intact. The spots aren't there anymore. He's been made clean. He's been made clean, and the, Bible, the text says it's as if a child. He's fully healed. His face is not blistered. He doesn't have this infection anymore. He's fully gone, fully healed. God fulfills his promises. He fulfills his part, promise according to his word. He did all that he did according to the word that was spoken to him. The word of God. The word of God had so gripped Naaman in such a way that he obeyed even looking like a fool. And he brought himself under the water up and down seven times. And Has God's word gripped us in similar ways where we hear it, listen to it, and do it? See the salvation of God and see him work through our church, through our lives, through our families. Does the word of God grip us in similar fashion where we desire to see God work, heal, bring redemption and cleansing for our own lives and for our own families, and through our own church. This is what Naaman experienced. Real cleansing, real healing. He goes now, not knowing who God is, to praising God. From being an alienated from God, to becoming close to God, and wanting to do His will. He goes from not worshiping Him, to desiring to worship him in spirit and truth. 
He's no longer a leper. In every sense of the word, he's no longer a leper. We read this morning how Jesus was saying to his people at his time that there were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, but none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. Why was Naaman cleansed? While no Israelite were cleansed? Why, why, why does Jesus bring this up? This, in a very real sense, demonstrates that salvation is of the sovereign grace of God, a pure act of mercy. There was nothing in Naaman that warranted his cleansing. There was nothing in him that brought about cleansing. All he brought was the filth that needed to be cleansed. There was nothing in him, but it was God's mercy to save him, a Gentile, and to prove and show as an example that God has mercy even amongst the Gentiles, even amongst those outside the covenant community of God. This shows God's love. His love for sinners, for poor, needy sinners, for those that recognize their condition before God, who those who understand they need to be cleansed, those who understand their poverty, of which we read about this morning, the broken in spirit, the poor, the blind, those enslaved. This shows us how we need to recognize our own leprosy and be cleansed. And he offers full redemption, full cleansing for our sin. It's because God first loved us that we love him. This is why we love him, because he first loved us and has cleansed us. And we see Naaman enter into the waters with all of his leprosy, And he comes out cleansed. And in in a sense, his leprosy stayed in the waters. His sin stayed in that Jordan River. That Jordan River that Jesus would be baptized one day. That Jordan River that Jesus would descend to and rise up to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill the law, and to die in our place. We see Jesus fulfill all of these points that we read about, overcoming obstacles, making known the way, and fulfilling his word through his life, burial, and resurrection. Through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, he took our sin, our leprosy, and on that cross he died for our sins, and he resurrected on the third day. The Jesus who was baptized in this Jordan River also offers salvation to us and cleansing for us. And he overcomes our obstacles, our objections. And he uses small, little means, unlikely means at that, in order to cleanse us and heal us of our sin. The word of God, the gospel, unlikely means that we wouldn't expect. And how does he do this? 
He makes his way known when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He shows us his way of salvation through the cross. He overcomes our obstacles of objections by his irresistible grace. And he pursues us again and again and again and again and again, just like he did with Naaman. Even in our stubbornness and pride, he pursues us with such mercy, with such compassion. And he fulfills his word by saving anybody that would believe and trust in him. Naaman was a picture of pride incarnate, a man who is self-sufficient and needs nothing, or so he thinks. But by God's grace, he had this affliction that caused him to reach out outside of himself, caused him to seek help, and to call upon the God of Israel. And the same is true for us in our affliction. We need to go to the God of Elisha, the God of Israel, the greater prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ, and see the salvation of God. See him cleanse us over and over and over again and worship him in spirit and truth like this man, Naaman. We also need to understand how we must humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God if we are to see his salvation. Just like Naaman, he humbled himself to receive God's grace. And he didn't bring objections to his word anymore. He didn't bring objections to the word anymore, but he humbled and did what was spoken by the prophet, by the word of God, to wash and be cleansed. And for us, let us do likewise. Let us wash ourselves in the blood of Christ time and time again. Be dipped and come out cleansed from our leprosy. Amen. O Lord God, we thank Thee for Your Word, for the promises of Your Word that cleanses us from our guilt and our pride and our leprosy. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us to walk in the newness of life, to understand your word, and to apply it rightly, to hear it and do it. God, save us from ourselves and help us to worship in spirit and truth. Dear God, we pray that you'd apply the truth of your word to our hearts and lives, and that you'd bless us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.